The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 391. I have a special guest on the show today, a first-timer on Benched with Bubba, so it's going to be a fun one. I'm very, very much looking forward to it. I've kind of got to watch him from afar on Twitter. It sounds creepier than it really is, I promise. <laughs> but um, it's from afar on Twitter is because he joined up with uh, my good buddies over at Triple Play Fantasy, and whoever you know they like, I'm going to like. So started following him there. You can find his written content at triple play fantasy he does a podcast at triple play fantasy called between the seams he also does work over at motor motor city Bengals for those keeping track at home the detroit tigers and they're actually really good this year well not really they're much better than anticipated let's put it that way so that's always fun you can find him on twitter at marty underscore tallman that's with two l's marty how we doing man bubba that was an absolutely perfect intro i had this little thing broke down of what i'm going to say my name my twitter handle what i do and you said it all it was almost as if you were reading it so i appreciate that um as i told you off air and to everyone on twitter i consider you on the mount rushmore a fantasy baseball analyst so to get the interview or to get the request to come on and be a guest on your podcast it means a lot to me so i'm very excited to be here i appreciate that it's uh i'm looking forward to it like i said i've told you before the show I like having the old timers on, but the old timers are asked on a lot of shows. I, I, I like I find more fun in getting first timers or newer people in the industry to come chat with because I think it's funny. You guys bring passion. You're excited to be here. Where you know some of the old timers just like, yeah, okay, I'm going through the motions. I've done this like thousands of times. I enjoy getting to know new people, getting to meet new people. So this is the best we can do, meeting wise, because we live in so many different areas. Spend yep. an hour or so together talking about what we love to talk about, and it's baseball. So it's it's a great time. Um, I'm going to pick your brain, though, because I knew about the triple play stuff. Didn't really know a ton about I knew you were a Tigers fan. Didn't know mm-hmm. you were you were doing a ton with Motor City Bengals. Um, the Tigers, 
like I, I do a lot of DFS content, which I always say yep. helps me in season long a ton because it keeps me in. T- and like, if, if you don't really pay attention enough, you think the Tigers, that's the Tigers, whatever, like it's the Tigers, but they're actually like fantasy, especially very usable. So like, what's your thoughts on these guys? Like, are they a couple years away? They next year, are they going to be actually competitive? But cause they're kind of giving people at least some optimism I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think those are a lot of great questions, and I think it's a lot of questions none of us expected to even ask, you know, at the beginning of this year. So from an organizational standpoint and from what we should expect as Tiger fans as an overall team and building a winner consistently, 2023, okay. you know, that's when I believe the Illich family is going to start investing back into the team. They've set out free agency ever since uh, Chris Illich took over um, for his father. So. Um, so expect that to be kind of the turnaround when it comes to them buying in a uh, big, a big splash from a fantasy perspective. We can talk right now, of, like contributors. I mean, the Robbie Grossman, I mean, he's like, you know, our angel right now, but, um, moving from there, we expect Spencer Torkelson to be up around that same time frame, the Riley greens of the world to be up and for Miguel Cabrera's contract be off the books by 2023. So that all those kind of stars align, and that's when we should expect um, a consistent winner. Yeah, I like what they've done. It's because there's a lot of people who can make fun of teams for tearing it down or doing this or doing that. But And some will say, well, they're rebounding slowly or they're, they're doing this or that. But you kind of saw in recent years with some trades they made and then how they've done in the draft of late. Like, mm-hmm. you can kind of see it coming. But I, I think we were all just like we all like we all thought going into like Robbie Grossman had a great year with the A's like okay he's a serviceable fifth outfielder in a deep league like sure whatever maybe, maybe you have to you know use him off the bench once in a while okay mm-hmm. he's obviously fooled us there um, and, and I, I I would imagine as Tiger fans you're thinking okay he's gonna fill the gap until the guys are ready to come type thing he's just here as a, as a filler you're kind of like some teams are just used to having those kind of players but then you get guys like Akil Badu who comes up uh, and you know he, he comes out the gates smoking hot. Then he hits kind of that rookie wall where they're kind of making adjustments. And then he adjusts back and he, he's hitting for average now, not power, but now the power's coming back. Like there's a lot to like about that kid. And, and so that's fun. You got Jonathan Scope who just continues to, to be the, the forgotten man. Like there's a long list. Like you said, we can go down. How surprised were you as a Tigers guy that they didn't maybe trade like a Scope or a Grossman or someone like that to maybe even deepen things more to get ready for 23? Uh, not too surprised. And it just more goes back to what the organization's overall plan is. Like last year, they didn't, you know, we stayed steady. You know, we stayed with the players that we had. I don't think as well as <clears throat> Scope and Grossman are doing, obviously the market wasn't good enough to blow them away um, to get them to trade. And they're just not going to be making any transactions at all until the right time. And so until that point is, we all just have to just kind of just sit and just be uh, be patient, even though this latest spring from the Tigers has been really exciting. Yeah, no, it's been very, very exciting. And we do have listener questions later on, but I think this one's kind of appropriate for the conversation we're having now because I want to ask it anyway, so I might as well give credit to where it's due. Um, this is one of two questions from this guy, David Mendelson. You might know him. I'm yeah. not sure. Um, and we'll save his other question for later because it's much more appealing. And if I do it now, I'm going to want to eat something else. So that'll just throw it all off. But um, he asks, who do you think is better long-term, Scooble or Mize? Which I think is kind of that fun question all season, because Mize, I think, at least for me, an outsider, had much more hype coming in. Then Scooble gets the call, and they're like, well, he's more a ready type guy. And then you kind of see differences this year. Scooble looks like the better pitcher, but he's starting to slip up a little bit as the season goes on. They rested Mize. They might let him go now. Who do you think is going to be better long-term? 
Yeah, and I think you pretty much covered the the landscape and the, and the roller coaster of the industry and how they've looked at Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal over the last year. So to kind of recap that, you know, Casey Mize bursting onto the scene for better or worse. Um, he threw a no hitter in his first game at Double A, and ever since that day, he was at the top of a lot of people's um, really good, you know, prospect guys, all of their leaderboards. Um, so he started with the first wave of momentum, but as that built, you started to realize, you know, everyone started to realize that Tariq Skubal's K upside may take him to that next, um, that next level, you know? So from a fantasy perspective, uh, you see those, you see that, that K upside, you know, your eyes just widen up. So from there, I started myself to even kind of change, like, you know what, maybe it is Skubal, but currently at this point today, August 5th, 2021, for me, it's Casey Mize. And I believe that he will have just a better overall MLB career. Um, and that's going to automatically just trans, you know, you know, just transform into a good fantasy option. But overall, Mize is just a better pitcher. You know, he has four pitches. He regularly mixes in. He's had that span where he was getting a quality start each and every time out. Uh, AJ Hinch has this long-term, um, you know, game plan for him, for him and his career, you know, not just to burn him out. They're going to pace him out for the next five, six years. So, for me, as of right now, and it could change because, um, like you said, Scoobles got a lot of upside, but Mize is the better pitcher. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Like, and I, again, I'm not as depth deep into the Tigers, but just kind of watching Mize in college. Honestly, I didn't know a ton about school until he was getting closer to coming up. And you saw Mize's pedigree. Was it Auburn? Or mm-hmm. no, I can't, I can't remember what it was now. But he was in the College World Series. I remember watching him there, and. um so then he obviously gets his next little little call and gets used to the, the no hitter you mentioned, all those other things. And so the accolades are all there just over and over again. So I, he looks like more of a pitcher per se, yep. which I, I like a lot where Scooble looks like he's more kind of like, I'm trying to, you know, strike you out and I'm going to have some control issues and I'm going to be one of those guys. Good third or four starter, like fine, yep. totally good. But Mize looks like that guy that could kind of maybe take that next little step. Uh, a few more Tigers questions for like the, the injured list is just ridiculous. So I'm not going to ask too much there, but one guy we were really looking forward to seeing this year. And then he got a sprained toe. That's got him out for about a month. Daz Cameron. I'm imagining we still get a little run of him before the season's over. What's the expectations there? Cause I know he's a, he's a top end kind of prospect, but and we got a little bit of maybe some good stuff to see earlier this year. Do you think there's like going into the next season? How, how excited should we be about him? Um, temper expectations. You know, um, I did. I liked what I saw when he did come up in his limited time, um, his, but his OBP was still 270. <clears throat> but yeah, in his in his time up this year, he was a 12 for 58, he had three home runs, four stolen bases. So I think that's where all of our eyes widen again. You know, speed and power combo. But from an organizational standpoint, they're not too. I don't see them, you know, rushing him in. Um, there's not that much buzz just overall. And you kind of get that overall feeling. Maybe it's like one of the Castros, you know, Willie or Harold, you know, a middling prospect may show some, um, you know, pop here and there and may do some good stuff. But overall, nothing that's going to stay within a 10, 12 team um, kind of league. Maybe in a 15 team, you know, as a flyer, your fifth outfielder, that's his best case scenario. No, I like it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm enjoying watch. I enjoy watching teams that aren't supposed to be good, mm-hmm. be good. Like, the Pirates aren't good, but at least from a fancy perspective, they're entertaining because they have some players that work. The Tigers are actually doing it, which is fun. Like the or- They could be like the Orioles right now where it's like, okay, we've got Mancini, we've got these guys that are fun. They're still not winning. Right. The Tigers are winning baseball games, and it makes it much more entertaining, <laughs> like watching on TV and seeing the ballpark uh, Comerica actually 
pretty full for Comerica standards. I'm like, this is cool. Like when they had that walk off a week or two ago, that place was rocking. It was I like was at that game. Yeah, the Miguel uh, Cabrera just you know, uh, yeah, basically a pop up, pop yeah. out, and then yeah, he missed it. It was pandemonium. It, give up the lead um, in the yeah. top of the tenth or whatever it was, or and then they yep. and the, yeah, that was wild. Just watching that whole thing unfold. So yeah, but that's just fun. You know, you get these quote unquote smaller market teams and it's it, it, I, I enjoy that kind of stuff uh, you know Giants spend money but when I watch the, the Dodgers all the time I enjoy watching teams like the Tigers do something very well so that's always much appreciated well but, and kudos uh, to your Giants I mean you're speaking of teams that maybe shouldn't be as good as they are and now what we're seeing is have they made that transition to a legitimately good team and that's where they're saying I'm accepting it now. I, I, I've had many shows that I've been on or done that I, people have asked me that question earlier in the season. I feel like you should be laying down on yeah. a sofa and I should be, you know. It's one of those, like, I'm bracing <laughs> myself. Like, I keep saying that the Dodgers are winning the division. I'm not stupid. Like, I keep – I'm bracing for the inevitable, basically. Mm-hmm. But the more they keep doing this, I'm just like <laughs> – and now they got the depth. They can mix and match. It's like it, – and I said it forever. It depends on the starting pitching. And it still scares me. Like Alex Wood was sketchy today. You never know which Cueto is going to show up. It's just there's so many of those kind of issues. But, hey, they made it farther than I thought. I thought they were like a year or two away. But they're losing $100 million plus after this year. And then the next year, I'm going to 30 or 40. The prospects will be ready in about two years. You let Farhan spend some money. I'm I'm very very excited about the future in San Francisco. So good, like a similar trajectory then with the uh, with the Tigers fans. Yeah. We might have a rematch of uh, 2012. I'm good on that. No, I'm good on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it sucked. Hey, I know it sounds bad, but hey, it wasn't at least fun to go. Like, like that run's fun. The run's it was. fun. Yep. Um, I can't say anything else, but I was there game one when Pablo went deep three times. Uh, so, well, we also lost in 2006, you know. Yeah, so, I remember yeah, that one. Was, that was yeah. tough because you guys were actually, weren't you guys up at one point in that series? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. We won't we won't go down those rabbit holes. We're having a yeah. fun podcast today. <laughs> fun podcast. But I look forward. I'm gonna have to have you on again and talk more tigers because I am really intrigued by the way they're going. Like they're gonna be competitive for fantasy and for season like regular real baseball, which is gonna be fun to see, especially with like I just pulled up their double A roster and you mentioned those names. They're they're close, and that's gonna be really, really fun to see how that all uh, pans out and the pitching. Like they like I said, the draft, they've done good getting these these arms. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that pans out. Uh, let's talk some recent news here. We got Joe Adele. We finally got the call. Everyone's been clamoring for it forever. And Brandon Marsh got the call and this and that. And you know, for a while there, Adele was showing, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm striking out at time. Cut the strikeouts down. Power showed up. Everything they expected. He's come up. He's been pretty good in his first few games. Got getting the job done, hitting sixth-ish, give or take in that lineup. Yep. Uh, what's your thoughts on Adele? I don't see him going down because A, Trout just keeps getting setback after setback, which is depressing. And yeah. B like Marsh isn't making anything fancy. So they should just keep Adele in my mind, but what's your thoughts on Joe Adele? Cause he's going to be a big fantasy target on fab this weekend. Yeah. He's going to be one of the, um, one of the biggest targets. And I think he should be, everyone should be in on him. You know um, obviously I like his initial production, you know what he's doing. He's batting fifth or sixth in the lineup. He's three for his first eight. You know, he has a stolen base. He has three RBIs. And most importantly, he is the last or one of the few last big bats that are going to be coming up this year, um, you know, from the minors. As somebody you can actually have some upside. He has the power speed combo. Um, and just initially what I've seen so far, I, you know, I would be, he's worth taking a, a flyer on no matter what league you're in. I go to the minors, you know, I see how he was doing a triple A and at Salt Lake, he was slashing 289, 342, 592, 
23 home runs and eight stolen bases. So from a personal perspective, Adam Eaton should not be playing anymore. No. <laughs> like he, that should like, they should have upped in. They'll have Shohei. Hopefully they'll get uh, trout back here. He'll be in that lineup as well. They're hurting with Rendon out the rest of the season. So they need that big bat in the lineup. So I don't like, like you said, I don't expect him to be going anywhere. You know, I think he's going to be here to stay. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what he goes for this week because it's that time of the year, and I know a lot of us said it um, this past week with all the the options on Fab due to trades that it's cool and all, but everyone spent so much money this year that these players mm-hmm. aren't going for as much. Like you looked at the different leagues, and it was I think Rafael Ortega got anywhere from two dollars to twenty dollars. Like it was, and he went yep. much higher elsewhere. Obviously, Finnegan, like these guys were all over the spectrum, and Adele's going to be the same way. There's going to be some leagues that get Adele for like four bucks. You're going to be yeah. like, what? Like how how do I get yeah, it? Because there's people like me who spent two hundred dollars on Julian Merriweather, and we're still just you know <laughs> treading I, water. We all have at least one of those. Yeah, we all do. Like almost yeah, the way I look at it, and some greater minds than myself have said it before. Sometimes you have to make, or not sometimes you have to make the mistakes mm-hmm. to at least have a chance to win, and that's Absolutely. the bottom line. Like if you if you have like four hundred bucks right now. And you're not in first place. Well, then that's on you, is the way I look at it. <laughs> yes, like you miss a lot you, of opportunity. A lot of opportunity. Like sometimes you just have to go. You know what? I really need this. And at the time of Julian Merriweather, like I'm never a guy to spend. Well, not never. I'm rarely a guy to spend a lot on closers. That's just been mm-hmm. my philosophy forever. Good and bad, because some of them are awesome as they go. Yeah. But um, at the time, he was filthy. He was locked into that role, and bad luck happened, and he's still on the IL. Like there's, you couldn't have foresaw an IL. It's one thing if they go and blow like their next three saves and get bounced. Yeah. That's one thing. The dude went on the IL. Like he didn't even have a save opportunity for me before he was on the 60 day IL. And it was like, like, there's nothing you, there's nothing you can do about that. When we've seen so many, there's so many other moves that I see happen. I'm just like, really? Yep. (laughs) I guess it doesn't doesn't register, but at least his looked like you're going in the right direction. You just got bad luck. You and many others. Cause he was, you weren't the only one. Like, no, some people want even more than 200 bucks. So that's part of it. So I'm curious to see what Adele goes for. I really am. Most of my leagues, I am don't have the funds to go crazy. I'll probably be in the 20 to $40 range. That's the best I can do. Where do you, what do you think if, say, some – what percentage of someone's remaining fab should they spend? 35%, the 40%. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, that means I'll be around twenty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting them. <laughs> yep, that's, that's the thing. It's like last week I, I even put a bid in on a couple of guys. Like there's there's just no way. Like Eloy Jimenez. I'm like there's no way I'm getting him. Right. I'm, I'm not going to waste my time with that. Like Adele, I'm going to try this because of some of the guys I saw last week. But yep. there's a, he's gone like a, in all TGFBI and the other um, the OC I'm in. You know, there he's all gone in all of those leagues. So it's more of just um, he was still he was still available like in a 10 team home league. I'm in, yeah. you know, and then my buddy got him. So it was like, you know, it'll be interesting because some, most deep leagues, like you said, those 15 teamers, he should be gone. But the weird thing about NFPC, love it or hate it. If it was like a later draft and people were like, Oh, he's not going to make the team. And he doesn't get drafted. Well, sure. now he's sitting there. On, that's why Eloy was available in some leagues. Yeah. So at first I was sitting there going, how the heck? And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, that's right. He got injured, blah, blah, blah. So he's available. He's so really won't be in a ton of past that timetable. I mean, he yeah, got, yeah, he flew through that. If I remember at the beginning of the year, it was, you know, yeah. uh, 
they didn't they have like memes of him like he, like he's dead and stuff like because oh, yeah. like, <laughs> they hung his jersey up in the yeah, dugout they, like he was oh, my goodness gracious this seems like a bad wwe skit right now yeah. <laughs> but it, it was wild but speaking of another prospect just for fun because you mentioned there's only a few left bobby witt's tearing it up and i have yep. seen him on some waiver wires yeah. and like the, the second there's a breath of chance he's coming up he's going to get scooped everywhere. So it's one of those you kind of have to go now if you want to do it. Would you be – how aggressive would you be, like, in the next week or two to maybe go grab him? Because we know he's coming soon. Like, he's going to be up. How aggressive would you be on that compared to maybe going after Joe Adele? Yeah. Well, I would say this. Go after Joe Adele first. Um, he's, he's here. Up. He's hitting. You know, um, if you miss, you know, if your 20 bucks doesn't make it, <laughs> save it, put it away for Bobby Witt Jr. and try to just get him, you know, right away. Uh, in the minors, he's slashing 293, 362, 566. He has 20 home runs and 16 steals. So from that perspective, he should already be up. Um, and we can go into it later, but the um, at Alberto Mondesi and, you know, what Dayton Moore said, the, the Royals GM about how he's on an everyday player and that, you know, he's not, they're baking him into the only maybe playing 100 games and all these different things. I mean, that sucks for him, but from a f- fantasy perspective, the first thing I jumped to is, well, it sounds like he's going to be up soon. It sounds like Witt's going to be up soon, you know, um, in that infield. So um, I would say go get him right now. You know, I would throw 15, 20 bucks at him, you know, or depending, obviously it depends how much money you have left. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think he would be the last one. Wouldn't you say the last? Yeah, that's why it just jumped into my head when you said it. Yeah. Cause I know I've seen him on wires and there's not many more because we've already got Duran. It's not like, Tristan Cassius or Casas or I have horrible names. If he comes up, yeah. <laughs> um, they, they pretty much already said he's not up till next year. Yeah. Like we might get a few that come up in September. Uh, who's the Mariner? Um, the the other uh, outfielder. He won't. Uh, you know. There's Rodriguez, but I don't yeah, Rodriguez. He probably yeah, he won't be coming up either. I doubt he will be, but yeah. because they're you know the Mariners in that playing time thing, so <laughs> that's right. probably yes. not going to happen either. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it works. Plus, most of these guys have been disappointments this year, so that's another like. Ew. But um, Adele just feels different. Like he's had that cup of coffee before. We've seen yeah. the ups and the downs. We've seen the improvements where you kind of expect the, the hurdles the first few times. But if you know, you kind of think he might have gone through this. So we'll see. You mentioned Alberto Montes. We'll just jump to it real quick. Um, Dayton Moore made those crazy comments that they're not crazy to me to hear, but crazy that he actually said them to the public was, was the, the crazy part to me. Because Montesi is just that fragile piece right now, which is crazy. And even if he plays 100 games, he can still have some fantasy value, probably. Hard part yeah. is, is when does he play these games? How does he play these games? How do you roster him in a, a, a weekly format, so on and so forth? So knowing this, going into next season, where do you kind of like, is he just no draft for you? Where, like, where would he have to fall? Because this year he was going so high, like second round in some 15-teamers. I wasn't yeah. going anywhere near him just because of the price. Now yeah, with this, he's got a overall play. Someone yeah. just wants to win the overall and they're just hoping yeah. they can strike gold. Um, my my overall concept, and it's been this way since the end of 2019, I do not draft him. He's always on my do not draft list perpetually. Um, he'll be gone way before I would even take that type of chance. So in a way, when I do, when anything ever happens to him and I have to do like a fantasy, maybe an article on him or talk about him, it's always from this nice, um, this nice <laughs> distance <laughs> where I can take deep breaths and just... If you know, this is feel, your type of thing, here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if you like getting hurt. Um, but yeah, and quick on the Royals GM. So I just don't look, it's okay to say what everyone's thinking and everyone, yeah. you know, that's fine. Right. But from a professional standpoint and from a business standpoint where you do have them under contract for, I think till 2023. So 
he's going to be in that clubhouse and you're going to be signing his track, you know, to us. So that's weird. Good luck like trading a, him now too. You basically yeah, told everybody he can't play a full season. So here you go. So it's like, I don't, I just don't understand the move. Like you, you just discredit him too. So, um, I, okay. I, I guess it is from a fantasy perspective. If you are to go down that road, you would have to do it in a way where you completely just let go of someone bases. And he's the last guy where you kind of feel comfortable where you may be able to get 40, 50 stolen bases and maybe 20 home runs. But yeah, he, that's he the only of, reason to take him. He falls into almost a Malik Smith trap. Now, like he's, he's more talented than Malik Smith. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but playing a hundred games, yeah. like it, it gets, it gets, it gets wonky. So, but Malik was all the way back. He, you know, he was in the yeah. you know, top, you know, or just like around two hundreds, you know, 180. So you felt okay taking it. Mm-hmm. As you said, Montessi can go up, you know, it's a top 25 pick sometimes. It's wild. Yeah, I'm curious to see what those two early mocks with Justin Mason he puts together. It'll be fun to see yep. where um, those those fall because he's got to be at least out of the top 100. But, like, for me, it'd have to be out of the top 200 just because shortstop's so deep already. Like, it's so deep. And why why play that game? So it'll, it'll be and – if, and if Witt is as good as we think he is, then – and you got Witt Merrifield, you sure he could play the outfield. But yep. there's so many moving parts there. That makes it really, really interesting with Alberto Mondesi. Let's go to Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, when he f- hurt the shoulder the first time, I was literally recording a podcast watching him swing the very Ooh. first time a, month, a couple months ago. And I was like, oh, yeah. like I, I just – I stopped. People can go back and look at the video. I just stared at the screen because I was just – it looked so painful. And yeah. I, I thought he was done right there. Proved me wrong. Proved many people wrong. All of us, you know, great doctors that sit in our, our desks and, and talk <laughs> about it. But um, he played great. There's always this risk, though. And he re-injured it. And now they're finally saying he might have to have surgery. I know they don't want to. They want him around for the playoffs. I get it. He will for sure in the offseason. But what do you – you're not dropping to Tatis Jr., obviously. But what do you expect from him the rest of the way? Because they're going to have to baby him, you think, even when he comes yeah. back. Because they, if they're bringing him back, they want him for one thing and one thing only, the playoffs. So they yep. can't risk that. So what do you think – like as a fantasy guy, what do you expect? So there's a couple of different ways you can go about it. Number one, if you do have – if it's not your trade deadline yet and you can somehow get you know, maybe the first or second place team to trade you, you know, three or four pieces for Tatis, you know, with the hopes that he may be ready for those last few weeks of head-to-head playoff matchups, then maybe go down that route. Um, but overall, I am not optimistic for him for the, for the rest of the season here. So they're going to reevaluate him in, in yep. 10 days or so from the left shoulder inflammation. And what the, the Padres manager, Jace Tingler said, uh, it's more sore than maybe some of the ones we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. So, and, and he, you know, he's probably as good a doctor as us, but he said, what he's saying is this one's actually pretty bad, yeah. you know, like, yeah, th- there's, there's a, there's a problem here. And from my perspective, um, and this is why for the rest of the year, I'm not optimistic. He's hurt himself swinging. He's hurt himself throwing the ball. And now he's hurt himself sliding. Mm -hmm. So at any time, at any moment, this very athletic, you know, freak of an athlete guy who plays so hard. uh, It's like, it's, it's a recipe for a disaster. So um, you, he's, you know, top three fantasy assets. So you can't, obviously you can't drop them. You just have to just, you know, maybe look to God or whatever your higher power is or, you know, whatever it is and just hope and pray. Yep. Um, but there's nothing you can do. No, I'm hundred percent with you. And that's the scary thing about it is, and, and the worst thing, well, for a fantasy aspect of it in September, they're expanding the rosters. So they won't have to put them on the IL. You can just sit there and be like, Oh, we're going to pinch hit them today, but then they're not yep. playing for four 
season. Then that makes your world even more fun trying to figure that out. I love the angle if if you can still make trades to try to switch like flip them. That that's a very very smart angle. I don't think I, I always forget trades half the time because I'm bad at trading to begin with, and I'm not as <laughs> in as many trade leagues as I used to be. But um, that's a very good call because the, the couple things you mentioned is they're going to reevaluate in ten days. He's not mm-hmm. doing much of anything right now. It hurts worse. At least the first time he got hurt, he was taking BP like three days later. Like he was out there doing things. So you're yeah. like, okay, this, that, and the other. He and is the, the reports were optimistic. You know, there's yeah. this optimistic tone where it's silent at this point. Yeah, yeah so we'll see. Um, as a as a baseball fan, I want Tatis on the diamond all the time. Every day. Uh, but like as a realistic person, I don't see much happening until like they just want him for the playoffs. So this is going to be a very, very – like if I'm a fantasy owner, I'm bummed big time right now. Yeah, and if I'm a Padres fan, I'm saying, what are you doing? Let him just chill for a month or whatever, yeah, we, you know. We Yeah, exactly. We need him. Don't screw this up. Like, we, like you know, Kim, <laughs> Kim's fun and all, but Kim should not be our starting shortstop in the no. like, if we have a He's wild card. He's kind of coming game. around a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Let's put <laughs> yeah. those two next to each other and see who they pick. Um, <laughs> I think even the, if we did the turtle thing, the turtle will go to Tatis. Um, Andrew Benintendi, another Royal situation here. He, he dove the other day, messed his shoulder up pretty good. Looks super painful. But now they're saying he's day-to-day. Yep. We'll see. It looked pretty rough. Um, he was, you know, starting to get it going. He's like, no one's talking a ton about him. It wasn't a great season, but he's had some stretches where he's been very, very, you know, formidable. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? And more importantly, does this finally lock in Edward Oliveris to not get sent down again by the Royals? Yeah, that that's what I'm ultimately hoping for because I do have him in a few leagues and I've been, you know, really, uh, on the optimistic side of what I'm seeing from him, but starting with Andrew Benintendi. So there's a little bit of a Renaissance here, you know, so let's, let's, let's celebrate that. Any, anyone who did spend a draft pick on him, um, because it wasn't me. I've, I re- I've written him off. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had 11 home runs, eight stolen bases. So he's on pace for like a 15, 15 year. Um, that's pretty solid for him. But it's the, you know, is the Royal. So a middling team uh, going back to expanding rosters in September and all these different things. I, I think with Edward Oliveris, I, I hope they just kind of let Ben Nintendi chill for a little bit, you know, let him take maybe the rest of the year off and see what this guy has. Um, he's a must add. Oliveris is a must add in all 15 team and five outfielder fielder leagues until further notice. I don't know about a 10, 12 team. I would kind of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to wait on that a little bit, but anytime we're talking about the speed power combo, you know, that's something that, uh, that I want to see. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I'm a big Oliver's fan. I have him in best ball leagues, DCs. Like I, I love his talent before the season. Then every time they call him up, they send him down. So that was always fun. Um, I, I figured with Solaire leaving, that gives us a chance. The Benintendi thing kind of locks it in a little more. So I'm hoping he's up. They have nothing to lose. Like, Bring bring Wit up, have Oliveira, see what the young kids can do. So I, I think he's definitely worth an ad. If he wasn't added this last week, which he probably was, I definitely would be putting some bids in in this Sunday. I have a bid for him in, in TGFBI. He went under the radar in, in our league, nice. so league twenty nine. Call him out. But um, yeah, I mean he's batting two seventy three. He has three yeah. home runs. He has two stolen bases. And last night he went the yard off uh, Lucas Giolito, you know, on a changeup. It barely, it was a wall scraper basically, but it, hey, you know, you, you like to see that against a, uh, you know, a formidable pitcher. It all counts the same. It all counts yep. the same. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, Luis Eel, as we had, as the way I heard them pronounce it on the Yankees broadcast. So I'm, Good. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said it first. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would have gone Gill. I had friends last name Gill my whole life, but uh, G is silent. It sounds like so Luis Eel. Um, he was amazing. 
in his first start. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I saw he was going to start, I looked into him a little bit and double A, he was great. Um, triple A, a little rough, giving up a lot of long balls. So I was kind of like, yeah, we'll see what he does. He looks filthy. High, fa- high nineties fastball slider was very nice. He looks like one of those young arms. That's going to have some rough ones from time to time. If he's not locating the slider, but overall he was locked in and looking great. Should mm-hmm. get another start on Saturday. They're saying, uh, with, you know, Colgan on the IL, the COVID IL, Montgomery going on COVID IL. They need arms. So yep. if Gil, if Ill throws a good again on Saturday and they say he's going to get some more starts, how invested do you think you'd be on him from what we've seen so far? Well, if, he, if first, if he can start, you know, if, if he can do what he first did, you know, I mean, I, you got to be all in on him, especially at this point. So on the 8th, um, he'll be playing Seattle at home at 105. So I'll be um, very interested in, in seeing that game. But going back to his first start, I mean, he he, he dazzled. You know, I made sure that I, I sat down and I watched it because the story is actually pretty wild. I mean, you know, within 24 hours, Garrett Cole's on, on COVID-19 list, the best pitcher in the world, you know, and you're taking the spot. You got to go hurry up and, you know, go pitch. So I, it was the Orioles. So, you know, 30th and, and Team MOBA. So it, that is what it is. But six innings, shutout ball, six Ks. You only had one walk. And most importantly to me, especially from a you know seeing a rookie come up like that out of nowhere, he threw 15 first strikes out of 23. So the confidence was there. Um, you touched on his fastball. He he sat around 96. He touched 99. A lot of uh, uh, 2,500 RPM on that fastball. So that put him around the 90th percentile. So the stuff's kind of nasty, and it complements his good slider. And hopefully, you know, he, he can develop that changeup. But um, if he has another outing, and Seattle's sneaky. I mean, they're not that bad of a hitting team. I mean, we – Scott White from CBS always makes fun of them saying, you know, you're going to throw a no hitter against them because of the, uh, the earlier, uh, how bad they were earlier, but now they're actually pretty formidable. So, you know, I'm going to be paying close attention to it. And uh, if he does, if he dazzles again, he's, you got to pick him up. Yeah. I, I was just, I was impressed watching him. I only got to see the first like three or maybe four innings, which is almost all of a start. He just, like you said, the biggest thing I think was that first pitch strike. He was just throwing BBs out there or even his slider, like right on the edge for a strike. Going for stuff. He was, he was looking great. So I, I was very, very impressed with what went down there. Uh, Mookie Betts, this is a fun one. You know, the Dodgers make all these moves. There's all these players, and Trey Turner supposed to fly to L.A. on Friday, so we'll have to see how that goes. Um, but Betts has been playing second base lately, and that's been like a, whoa, what do we have going on here? This is interesting. We saw it from time to time in the past, like as a kind of fun fill-in last-minute things, but this looks like a, maybe a concerted effort with all of the parts they have there. If this sticks, and that means Mookie Betts is a second base eligible player next season, he was already going fourth in main events in the in March. So like he's still going high, obviously. But is he just like does it boost him up any more for you? Does it like lock him in? Like would you draft him as your second baseman per se, or how would this impact you come draft season? It's number one. It's just absolutely incredible what the Dodgers do. You know, yeah. I mean, um, you as you have to, you know, just hate them, you know, because that's part of what you signed up for. <laughs> I, I I acknowledge that. Yeah. I, I I told people before. <laughs> I I joke around on Twitter a lot. A lot of them, yeah. I'm a very sarcastic person, and some people take it the wrong way because Twitter. I always say, give me a sarcastic font, please. <laughs> and they they don't do it. But yeah. I've said many times, I respect the snot out of what they're doing, and yep. it's hard. Like when I was younger, you hated the Dodgers because you like hated the players. It's yep. hard to hate the players. I'm like, how can you hate Mookie Betts? How can you hate Walker Bueller? Like these, even Kershaw. Like I respect yeah. Kershaw. He's one of the best. He's like the Tom Brady of 
baseball to me. Like this yeah. guy's amazing. So it, as, as a Giants fan, yes, I hate the blue and white, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. these guys are good. Like, like watching Scherzer last night. How yeah. do you not like that? If you're a baseball fan, that was it's amazing. Incredible. <laughs> you know, as a Tigers fan, you know, um, I also lived in Los Angeles for almost a decade. So I made my way to a lot of Dodgers games and um, it's a beautiful, the stadiums, you know, it's pretty beat up, but the people there are, they love their team. Yep. And, you know, the team that they have right now from a baseball fan perspective is so much fun to watch, mm-hmm. but as far, as far as the, you know, the fantasy impact of 2022, it flips everything on its head. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this kind of stuff is really that big of a, of a deal to me when I look at, you know, my top 300 and all of a sudden there's four players in the top 30 that are second basements. You know, if we're, if, if we're going to play this game, let's say Mookie Betts gets a second base eligibility, Trey Turner gets second, you know, second base eligibility. All of a sudden the most barren, um, you know, uh, position is extremely fruitful right off the bat. And most importantly, you'll be getting steals from that position without having to dip your batting average, which is obviously that's the key to anything Roto. So um, it absolutely flips everything on its head. Um, Now it's going to depend on your league, right? So we'll start there depending on how many games it takes for someone to be position eligible. So I think Mookie's at five games total at second base Mm-hmm. Um, NFBC is 20 games. So, you know, it's going to take a while to get there. Standard leagues, you know, anywhere between usually what, 10, 15, 10s usually the kind of the, the normal for the most yeah. part, but 10 to 20 usually yeah. where, where you sit. So we have to start there. Will we get to that point? Um, for either the trade Turner or Mookie bets, 15 games, like it, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be close. <laughs> so if that does happen and he does, you know, all of a sudden, you know, second base has become just a stud position. Um, so, yeah, I'm just excited to see how it all plays out when Trey Turner does come back and what they're going to do. Chris Taylor, what are they going to do with him in center field? You know, does he stay? I mean, he's having, you know, we can go into that too later, but he's having, like a, right now. <laughs> he's having like a fantasy MVP yeah. year. Yep. Like he is, you know, um, and just, I, he's just been absolutely incredible and so far under everyone's radar. I know we have him in the, in the next segment, so we can get to him later, but he, Chris Taylor has been believable. So yeah, overall I'm excited to see what they're going to do as far as ranking goes and everything. It flips it all in the head and yeah. we have to start from scratch. Like for real, just, just pure fun here. And like Acuna is obviously banged up and he's supposed to be back for opening day next year. Like you'd assume mm-hmm. he'd be back. We'll see. Yeah. That's a big if let's yep. say he is back opening day. Do you go Acuna or Betts? Oh, I'm going bets for sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, another one. What? And that's if, just based off the injury. Yeah. So, you so know. a similar injury with Tatis. Do you go bets or Tatis? Uh, bets. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Yeah. Let me let's just have some more fun here because this is interesting to me. I know we, we're a few months away still from even doing 22, but it yep. is kind of interesting. Um, I'm gonna, I'm imagining you go bets over Soto. I have Soto. So actually, I can just give you what I'm my... a Soto. I've, I believe Soto will be our next triple triple crown guy we ever see. Yeah. So like, here, I think he's that good. Here's my top five overall for Roto. Juan Soto, number one. Trey Turner, number two. Okay. Cole, three. Tatis, four. And then uh, Betts, five. Now, you could switch Betts and Tatis because this was before that, his latest yeah. injury. You know, So we'll see how that plays out. But there you go. Um, the Garrett Cole thing, I take it with since you have him third, and I heard uh, some other people talking about this on a show today on Thursday. 
you're not as concerned with the because we've seen the transition with no sticky stuff and we've right. seen him kind of work through it and get better yep. and better but he still has those hiccups um are you still good with like a, a full off season figuring it out he's still the guy he's still the guy and yeah. even let's say we take him out of the picture is the grom the guy with all of his injuries that's, that's going a on question like is shane bieber the guy with his injury that we still don't really have a clear timetable when he's going to be back so you know that's, who it is you know who the guy is hmm. walker bueller so how interesting that for most of the industry, he was out of the top 10 because everyone was concerned about his inning limits. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he didn't go over six innings only once in 2020. And then this season, he's only not gone six innings once. Yep. Think about like he's flipped it completely on his head. He's he's an ace. He's an yep. absolute ace. Um, I'm, I'm bummed because yeah. going into the last season before all the COVID stuff, I was giving bold predictions in like February. Mm-hmm. And Walker Bueller was my NL Cy Young Award winner. Like, that was my prediction. And then the COVID stuff happens, and he's always a slow starter. Like, all these things, I'm like, oh. So now yep. he's doing this year what I thought he would do <laughs> last year. And I'm like, half of me is going, I'm validating myself. But it's like, I'm a year, like, so whatever. But I think he's so good. Like, we're still just kind of yep. seeing the top like the top of it because he's still so young. You Just imagine this, okay? Just pure baseball standpoint. You let him sit in that dugout for two months. He already lives with Kershaw, basically. Now he gets to pick Scherzer's brain for two months. Like, the stuff he's going to learn about pitching. Like, yeah. he's been – if you think about, like, we, you know, talk, talk about it in football. Like, hey, a quarterback gets drafted to a team, but blah, blah, blah. Look at Rodgers. Got to sit behind Favre, so that's why he was yep. who he was. You look at Bueller. He's had Kershaw. Even David Price. Love him or hate him. He's a great pitcher and a great oh, mind yeah. of the game. Yep. Um, all these guys that he just gets to get, like, stuck around – Mm-hmm. That's a that's a just be a massive sponge. That's all you need to be. And for Bueller, I mean, he has every every physical bit of it. So mm-hmm. the next step for him is just to be able to be stay mentally locked in. And I can't think of two people you can kind of bounce exactly. ideas off of how to stay locked in than Max Scherzer and Kershaw. Yeah. Well, especially you know? Scherzer, like you love the guy because when it's not his fifth day, he's laughing and doing pranks in the dugout. Yep. So he's totally chill. But that fifth day, he just took that face. Like, don't even get in his way. He's gonna like he will he will kill you. Basically, he's a monster. Like, he's out of his he's way. an absolute monster. I love it. I just again, this is why people think I hate the Dodgers. Like, it's it's yeah. it's, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, a couple more things here. There is no timetable for Kershaw's return. So just, I just want to let people that might be wondering that because they literally said, yeah, he's in a holding pattern right now. So him and that, that uh, Gonsolin. That way, yeah, him and Gonsolin's been a disappointment, but that's a whole other podcast, basically. But <laughs> but Kershaw, Kershaw, yeah, when they basically the phrase was he's in a holding pattern, I'm like, huh, that's not good. Not no, good. that doesn't sound good at all, especially with his back and everything he's been through. How the Dodgers, you know, they're going to p- always put the kid, kid gloves on, you know, because they're a world class organization and they know exactly what they're doing and they don't give a damn anymore about the regular season. They're going to be yeah. fine. They are the San Antonio Spurs of baseball. They're like, we're going to get into the playoffs. Yeah. Home field or not. We'll yeah, see you in the we'll World Series. <laughs> yeah. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. We'll, um, we lose a top 10 pitcher, you know, yeah. and uh, Voldemort, which is what the uh, yes. in this league guys call I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then, oh, we'll just replace him with Scherzer. It's fine. Yeah. Like, I re- okay. I record with Bogman five days a week for yeah. our Line oh, Star yeah. show. And then I do it, the radio show with them every week, too. So I do, <laughs> I do many hours with Bogman every week. And the first time Voldemort thing came up, because I have a very, I have a sense of humor. It's very similar to Bogman. I've, I've went and hang out with them for a while. We yeah, you have very, a dark we, sense of humor. Got it. We get along very, very well. <laughs> and um, <laughs> when they broke that down for me, I died. I was just yeah. like, oh, it's genius. It's genius. 
because you great. can't say his name otherwise you're an evil person and it just starts these whole rabbit holes it's amazing I, it's I i heard it i'm like you know what i'm gonna use that and yep. I'm, but i'm giving credit i'm gonna give bog credit you know yep. give but yeah it's it's, it's, genius. <laughs> it's it's why they are who they are let's put it that yeah, way great all right, let's talk about some uh, July performers. This is a fun one because there's only two months of the season left. Most people are optimistic, and you should be, about production going, yeah, I believe they can do this, or no. Like You don't get as many no's as you'd think because you know these guys are actually pretty good. The, yeah. the data backs it. But it's a fun it's a fun talking point to kind of see like how surprised were you or do you really think it's a like what you expect type things. So we'll kick it down the road here. And these the first two are pretty simple in my mind, but I could not not bring them up for what they've done in the month of July. First is Joey Votto hitting 319, 11 home runs. He hit nine of them in the nine day or eight, eight or nine day pattern. Yeah. But um, I went into the season saying Votto's going to hit 25 plus homers and he's going to be a top 15 first baseman. And I, maybe I should have said top 10. I don't know. But top 15, that was still kind of nice considering his age. And I got told I was, you know, that wasn't bold. So um, <laughs> I was like, okay, you know, he's almost 40, right? He's 37 years old. Let's, I was going to say that's chill pill. And especially after his last two, three yeah. years, you know. People thought it was crazy, but he made, he's always said he's made a consistent effort about he's trying to hit home runs now. He doesn't care as much about average, yeah. so on and so forth. What do you expect from him going forward? Because I think, you know, the, the month of July is going to be tough to duplicate. But yeah. what do you think he's going to do going forward? On and off the field, Joey Votto is a stud. For the he's rest the of this, for the <laughs> for the rest of this year, he is an absolute stud. And he mm-hmm. changed his approach. And, and you and you you talked about it. And he's selling out now for he's selling out for power. When you actually look at his stance, his stance is straight up. You remember when he used to have, he'd be you know, kneeling crouch. at the knees, a little crouch. Yeah. That's completely gone. So he has an upright batty stance, and it's complete renaissance for him. Um, he had the seven games in a row. Was it seven games in a row with the home run? Like I it was tell just, you when it's a second, but yeah. Yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, and this year so far, he's hitting 273 with 21 home runs. To put that into perspective, and this is why I think you had a what you said was a bold statement, he had over the last three seasons combined, he had 38 home runs. So he's almost matched that in, you know, five inning or five months of baseball. So with this different sellout approach for power, and it's not a completely sellout approach, but the strikeout rate is up. You know, it's at a career high 23.6, but his walk rate, his walk percentage is still in the 86 percentile. So the discipline is still fully there. You know, he's not swinging at bad pitches. You know, he when when there's a ball in the zone, he's taking hacks at it, and he's taking more risks, and that's what's going to happen. So for the rest of this season, expect him to be a top 10 first baseman in all standard leagues, and if you're in an OBP league, just enjoy it. You know, he'll be even better than that. Yeah, that that two things are – he's always been the OBP guy, so that that's good because he's keeping that up, like you said, which I, I think that's the most impressive thing. Usually when guys sell out, strikeout rate goes through the roof, and then he stops walking. So. Yep. The fact he's still doing that while hitting home runs, I'm like, it's pretty good. Pretty good stuff mm-hmm. there. He homered in seven straight games, hit nine home runs over those seven games. Crazy. So that was that was awesome. And the other thing, um, looking at the rest of the season projections here from the Bad X, he's projected for 11 more home runs the rest of the way. To, he's going to play – they have him projected to play in 51 more games. The staff cast over data loves 11. him. Yeah, they, yeah, they, love they do. Him. That's why Bad X loves him. Yep. Over under 11 home runs. Um, I'm gonna go under, but yeah, I still I like it. Yeah. yeah, I like him a lot this year. I like him a lot, but there's gonna be like a two week span where you're just like, oh, he's yeah, 30, he's 37. Yeah, it's okay. and that, yeah, like he's probably not gonna hit 40 home runs, and that's okay. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, if he hits 11 more home runs, yeah, that's nuts. He's gonna that's 34 bombs on the air for Joey Votto. Yeah. That's that's pretty fun stuff there. 
Um, Austin Riley, this is one of those, like he came up a couple years ago, Fabapalooza, everybody loved him. The power was great. No batting average, though, and it was just kind of a mess. Well, in the month of July, he hit 309 with nine home runs, and his walk rate was almost 15% while he struck out less than 20% of the time. Like that, those two things right there, the strikeout rate dropping a little bit, and that walk rate and still the – like he started putting it together, hitting cleanup every day for the, the, the Braves. What's your thoughts on uh, on Riley, what he's doing, and maybe going forward there? Yeah, Bubba, it's almost like, you know, a 24-year-old needed a little bit of time to figure out Major League okay. Baseball, you mm-hmm. know, and um, <laughs> and that's okay. Yep. So, um, yeah, the good, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's hitting fourth now in the Braves lineup. Um, after all the moves that they made with the outfielders, it looks like they're going to put them all towards the um, the top of that lineup, and he'll be sitting fourth, um, what I expect to be the rest of the, the season, day in and day out. Um yeah, I mean, he's been red hot pretty much <clears throat> all year. Um, it actually took him, um, I think, 14 games to get his first RBI. Uh, but six that, since then, he has 62 for the rest of the year. He's slashing 289, 371, 526 with 23 home runs. And most importantly, I and mean, what I've seen from Riley is that he's decreased his cha- uh, chase rate. So it was 37.7% in 2019. Now it's all the way down to 28.9%. So he's pretty much revolutionized, you know, him swinging at balls outside of the strike zone, um, which is a good thing, right? (laughs) That's going to make it. It it sounds small, but it makes all of the difference in the world. And you already touched on it. He's increased his walk rate. Um, Now it's up from the it wasn't the 34th percentile. Now it's all the way up to the 65th percentile. Outstanding. Again, you mentioned 24 year old. And, you know, like I said about Bueller, getting to hang out with a guy like Freddie Freeman might teach you how to like you know the strike zone and things like that like little yeah. things like that i don't think people that didn't play the game or whatever understand like just those little nuances of things and you know he's this big power hitter in the minor leagues you know guys are they're not throwing nasty like you watch bull durham they're not throwing nasty ungodly breaking stuff like they're just they, yeah they, some, some of them do but most of the time they're just trying to throw strikes and they're giving into you when they're behind the raw camera. tools at that point yeah. you know and it takes years sometimes to turn mm-hmm. that into a fine-tuned baseball player you know yep. where there's this mental aspect of the game you know a lot That's of people they like said the prime, the prime years used to be 27 to 29 and we're seeing mm-hmm. all of a sudden now we got spoiled with soto and acuna and tatis not all yeah. of them come up that early <laughs> it's just not how it goes it, it, and it's kind of even myself included you know i've kind of always like jared kelnick like, i expect him yeah. to come out swinging i expect these players to do that because of like you just said those previous you know, once in a generation talents. And yeah, so we need to just all spoiled. calm down. Yeah, just, we're so you know. spoiled. And the thing is, Jared Kalenic, if he falls in drafts next year, A, I'll be so thankful. B, yeah. I hope I hope all the fluff pieces that I know are already getting printed out for like December come out, that people will be back on board come then because the talent's yeah. too good. The talent's too good. He's going to yep. be fine. And he's going to – I wouldn't be shocked if he's a – at worst, solid outfield three on our roster next year in a fantasy team, let alone probably – he's probably yeah. higher than that. Like, the talent's good enough to be talent's a there. top 100 player. And obviously, we don't know anything about him psychologically, but maybe he could really do some – you know, have some help with someone being there, a big veteran presence in Seattle. Yeah. And off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that really Kyle stands Sears out. Is the only thing I can think of, but I don't know how much yeah. of a presence he is. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't want to bat 220, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking plate discipline, Kyle. Not just yeah. grip it and rip it here. You're not – this isn't 10 cup. But, um, yeah, it's little things. It's little yeah. things like that. Um, AJ Pollock, Chris Taylor, I just kind of lumped them together because they're two Dodgers. And yeah. um, Pollock, like 371, seven home runs, three stolen bases in 25 games over the month of July. 
Uh, Chris Taylor, you mentioned he crushed it. 333, seven homers, three stolen bases, 26 games. Both been great. So two things. What do you expect going forward? And I guess the second thing kind of goes with that. With all these moving parts, what do you expect the playing time to be? Because that's going to be the hardest part for a fantasy perspective. Yeah. So we'll start with AJ Pollock. Um, for me, he's a dud. Um, and like your partner, uh, Bogman, I kind of had, he's, he's burned me so many times with getting injured on a Tuesday when on a whole week where he's <laughs> locked whole time or he'll bat or he'll, you know, he'll have, um, seven games and maybe he'll play two or three of them. I think, and I think that's what honestly, you know, all jokes aside, I expect that to actually happen to Pollock here moving forward. So, um, you know, he the power is there, right? And when he plays, he'll be able to to get you that. But he's nothing. He's never been anything sustainable. Um, the the Dodgers are only getting better, you know. And there's only so many people in that lineup day in day out. So for me, I, I would stay away from him, you know, um, or trade him or whatever you have to do. Um, Chris Taylor, on the other hand, though, they're gonna find they're gonna find you know somewhere for him. Obviously, I think his playing time will go down a little bit, but. Um, just overall, man, Taylor, like I said before, he is basically like the unsung fantasy MVP. So coming into drafts this year, um, NFBC uh, ADP, it was uh, 234 overall. So the kind of thing where, <laughs> where he was taken, people who were drafting Chris Taylor were thinking, maybe I'll get Garrett Hampson, Jonathan VR, David Fletcher. So now in a standard OBP league, he's currently ranked 18, 18 overall. So 17 home runs, 10 stolen bases. He's out there in center. And I think they're just going to do everything that they possibly can to get him as many at bats. So if we're going to put them, if we're going to you know put them into the same boat, um, you know, definitely agree or more invested in Chris Taylor moving forward. I'm hundred percent with you. And I've said it a few times and it'll be in, so my post uh, end of season recap stuff, I was a million times wrong on Chris Taylor. So that was fun because I just didn't think he'd find the playing time. I didn't think he would, and boy was I wrong there. So that that's or a big sustain one. Sustain this, this this excellence, pace. yeah, you know, for true. this long. That's you know, true. He's never seen it. And then um, you mentioned the, the playing time, and I'm with you. Taylor's the guy I'd want out of the two for sure. If you just look at rest of season projections, um, there's roughly like fifty. Let's just say fifty five games left. Um, Pollock they have for 29 to 30 games and Taylor they have for about 49 to 50 games. So okay. yeah. that tells you right there who they even think is going yep. farther. And the projection sites normally have a pretty good, pretty rough, good idea of what's going on there. So yeah, I, I think Taylor's amazing. I think he's going to get MVP votes, which will be interesting. I know it's crazy. I, I, I don't think he's going to win the MVP, obviously, but no. I think he deserves some like third place votes or something. So and, if, and, if, if Ryan DePere can get a vote. I think Chris Taylor deserves some <laughs> votes. Um, and last thing on Taylor, I will notice that once um, they did introduce uh, Mookie Bet to the to the lineup and Bellinger, he went from leading off to I think now he's batting sixth. He was batting fifth last night on Wednesday. Fifth, okay, yeah, yeah. So fifth or sixth, regardless. Fifth or sixth, he keeps still moving in a back. Good, you know, still so in a he, good spot. You throw in Trey Turner, what he's probably seventh, right? Yeah. So you know that is, that is the downside, but at least he's not Cody Bellinger who probably platoons with AJ Pollock, so batting eighth. That's a whole nother situation there. I don't even, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those like weird, it's baseball. It's this yeah. won't happen in any other sport where like someone's amazing and now they're not. It's, it's gotta be, he's either his shoulder still messed up. Yep. Or the one thing I never understood is why did you change your batting stance? Like you, it, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. So I remember, I remember hearing the reports and thinking, nah, there's no way someone would do that. 
Yeah, I don't no, know. he did. Why? Why did you do that? Like, makes no sense. No sense at all. He's Jorge Polanco. This is another <laughs> one. You mentioned kind of those later round options. Like, people are drafting him as a, if you totally missed on shortstop, you took Polanco. If you wanted a late middle infielder, you took Polanco. He's been great this year. He's mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the month of July alone, hitting 327, six homers, uh, three stolen bases. Over the last uh, eight games, he has an eight-game hitting streak going into Thursday with four home runs over that stretch. He's just been great for the Twins. The Twins team that basically sold Cruz and some other pieces, and they're kind of, you know, Kirilov's hurt, Larnack's yeah. starting to kind of scuffle a bit. Season's over for Minnesota, Yep. and Polanco keeps raking. So what's your thoughts on him? Um, so I think he's – this is one of those ones where you can't say – I'm not going to say a stud or dud. I think for, for who Jorge Polanco is, he's going to be a stud the rest of the year. If, if that makes sense. Um, so as a general rule, the twins don't really steal, you know, because, you know, based on their veteran sluggers of the last few years. And, but at the beginning of the year, Plank was hitting at the top of the lineup um, and he accumulated nine stolen bases over that time. So that pretty much transforms um, his value in Roto leagues. He go, to go along with his 18 home runs, he, he has nine stolen bases. Now, since they've gotten rid of Cruz, he hasn't stolen a base. He no longer bats at the top of the line. He's usually batting That's third. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. His last his last stolen base was when Nelson Cruz was hitting behind him, and he and he stole second base. Um. So I do expect the home runs to be there. You know, I don't think anything's going to change there. He's selling out for power more so than ever. Uh, batting third in the lineup. I like that he. I think he'll bat around two seventy, which I think is useful. Um. And in some leagues, he has the second base and uh, shortstop eligibility. So if you have him, if he's in your lineup, it's because you needed him to be there because you probably, one, had an injury, or two, you screwed up something somewhere. But you're, you're actually, luckily for you, you're going to be in a pretty good spot for the rest of the year. So I would hold on to him. I think he's going to be fine. He's going to be good. And, and it's a good mention of the stolen base situation because I didn't dig that deep into seeing he hasn't stolen since Cruz got dealt. So that's a very interesting situation there to see if that continues on because, yeah, if he's in the middle of the order, he probably won't steal as much. That's just baseball 101 so that's very very interesting stuff there i like that uh, take as well let's talk about kyle farmer who uh, as the neighbor's dog will not shut up all of a sudden um kyle farmer is having a very very strong month of july and um where did he go here i'm just looking at him but um i can't find him now but he's having a great month of july he's hitting third for the um reds right now very very good stuff from him and he kind of came out of nowhere to, to most of us because he didn't expect him to play with the reigning, uh, you know, great Eugenio Suarez playing shortstop all season for the Reds. So uh, what's your thoughts on this? Because the fact it came out of nowhere so much, I'm finding it hard to be sustainable as well. Yeah, um, I'm I'm happy for him as, as a man and as a person, and I'm happy for the people who picked him up. And I don't think in, in a month or six weeks from now we're going to be talking about him anymore. Um, but he's, that's not taking anything away from what he's done now. Um, but Mustakas is coming back. So, you know, that's going to change some things up there. I, Suarez has to figure it out. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with a guy batting. Like, what is he batting? Like 156, like around there, but he has has 20 home runs. Um, So I have more belief in Mike Moustakas playing full time and Suarez figuring it out than I do in Kyle Farmer continuing to be, you know, just absolutely amazing. Um, That said, I would ride the wave, you know, right now. He has in um, in Yahoo, which is a crazy, crazy place to, to do fantasy baseball because of the eligibility. 
he has catcher, first base, second base, shortstop, and third base eligibility. I knew about like all the so, infields. Like NFBC, I think he's even got like at least second, third, and short, yeah. maybe first. Catcher, that's a new one. Yeah, he might have warmed up somebody in between <laughs> innings, and they were just like, yeah, just give it to him. Screw it. That's um, so at, at catcher, he's absolutely viable without oh, a yeah. doubt until the wheels fall off. Um, but make sure you have a backup plan. The wave's going to crash. What I love about him is that eligibility because that's one thing I've harped on over and over during COVID season last year. And I hate to break it to people, but we're about to have a COVID season again in the last 60 games of this season, the way things are, are tuning up. So those flexibility pieces on your roster are going to come in handy right mm-hmm. now. So yep. uh, that's what makes him a little more valuable. I think I mentioned it on this last podcast with Toby that I put bids on him and I kind of had him above – like I love Abraham Toro. I love mm-hmm. the tools. I'm like the more I thought about it, I like, guess a great trade for the future for Seattle. All that stuff. I still had Farmer ahead of Toro, even though I think Toro might have the better sec- like last two months. Yeah, it's that flexibility. Like yep. that was tremendous. And Toro's getting second base now, so that's about to change. It's coming. But um, so I think that's interesting. But the, the rest of season projections also agree with you on Farmer. They project him to play 23 games, hit three home runs, and hit 256. So I think he's better. Do you think he's at least better than that stat line? I think he'll, he'll yeah. achieve that. I think that, I mean, that just, that just means he falls off a cliff and I don't, yeah. I don't see that happening. I think he'll be able to produce over the next week or so. He'll stay hot. And from there, he'll get a spot start here and there. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Um, the last bat we have here, Harrison Bader. This is one of those that the Cardinals outfield situation has been annoying. Like usual, we knew it going into the year. O'Neill Bader, O'Neill Bader. Well, injuries kind of helped different guys get different roles. O'Neill was great for a while, then he's stopped again. Bader's come back. All of a sudden, strikeout rate's dropping a ton. He's been super productive, and he's not just a steals guy. Hitting 357, five home runs, three stolen bases in the month of July. What's your thoughts on Bader going forward? Because the one thing I'll mention first that bugs me the most is that he hits eighth every game. Yeah. Yeah. That Overall, I think he's going to be a stud the rest of the the season. Um, The fact that he hits eighth is a bummer, but it's also oddly securing. Like he, no one's like, he's going to stay there. And so for better or worse, um, if if he stays in the eighth spot, obviously we're not going to see the stolen bases that we would like to to see from him um, as much. But um, yeah, Harrison Bader, I I would, you know, keep him here for the, for the rest of the season. There's no reason to, to drop him. And um, I think he's what we were hoping Andrew Benintendi would be. You know, a guy who's going to hit around 270, 280, get you 20 home runs, maybe 10 steals, maybe 12 steals, you know, if he's having a good year. Um, and so far right now, he's slowly turning into that player. Um, you touched on it, um, his strikeout rate. So he decreased it. Last year it was 32%, which is pretty brutal. <clears throat> and now it's only 18.2%. So, you know, I love seeing that. I think that's going to help him stay within that lineup. And you know, a 12 team or higher or in a, any five outfield leagues, I think, you know, you're going to be good to go the rest of the season. I don't know if you had a chance to actually see um, the game last night, Cardinals and Braves, but uh, Dylan Carlson and uh, Bader completely just knocked into each other. Did you see uh, that? I did, I did not see that. that them, are they okay? Cause those are They're two fine. I it love the, Dylan Carlson. The ball was literally rolling on the ground and they just <laughs> ran into each other. And it was just, I don't even <laughs> Was, like, was, the, was the circus music playing in the background? Yeah, no, basically. <laughs> um, and so I just thought that as I I was literally looking up stats about him, and I look up and he trips over his teammate. I'm like, okay, right, well, oh, that's see. too good. That's too good. But uh, so, yeah, stud rest of the year. I like Bader. Yeah, you're gonna get five to probably eight more stolen bases from him. So if you're looking for steals, and he's still out there on at least twelve team wires, probably not fifteens, but he's out there. So 
definitely a guy that uh, go peruse and see if your league's just lucky enough. Yeah, he's forty eight percent rostered across Yahoo. So. Yeah, Yahoo's roster numbers blow me away every week when I write my waiver wire outfield column. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, let's head to the bump. Play. Let's talk some pitching here. Jamison Tyon, a guy I've made fun of many times, many times, and he's proved me right for the first like three months of the season. Yeah, he was garbage, but uh, month of July is AL pitcher of the month. 31 innings pitch, four wins, uh, ERA of 1.16, 5.15 XFIP, though. So some something to kind of rein you back in just a little bit. Strikeouts yep. aren't through the roof. But uh, what's your thoughts on Jamison Tyon, who he, he dazzled, and he even looked good on uh, Wednesday night. I'll give him credit on that. It looked really good. Yep, and that's pretty much where I'm going to leave it with him. Yeah, so overall, <laughs> I don't believe it. He's a, he's a dud. Um, but I literally put this. But I will acknowledge that last night he struck out uh, 10 Orioles, and that was his first 10 strikeout game since September 18th, 2018. Um, September 18th is my birthday, but that doesn't matter. Um, so, but it's been it's been a while for him. Um, my overall advice is to stay away unless you need him. And if you do need somebody who's going to eat up some innings, he's going to be the kind of guy that you're going to need to sit or start based on the matchup. Um, To me, he's still the same Jamison Tyone that had a 490 ERA before the all-star break. So for the rest of the season, he's going to be in Yankee stadium. He's going to be playing the blue Jays, the red, the red Sox, the Rays. Um, So I I don't like that part. When you look at his, uh, you know, his advanced stats or his periphery stats, He's got the 4.00 uh, ERA, but 4.01 XRA, 4.35 FIP, and a 4.71 XFIP. So if you need someone who's going to have a 4 ERA, maybe 4.25, if you need that in your life, he's there for you. Um, his remaining schedule is actually, it's not too bad. He goes at Kansas City, at the White Sox, versus the Twins, at Braves, at Angels, at Orioles, which is a good one for him, and then Mets, Rangers, and Blue Jays. So he's going to have the Blue bad. Jays a few times. <laughs> huh? That's not that bad. No. So it's not too bad of a schedule outside of, obviously, the uh, the Blue Jays, but I just can't. I can't do it. Yep. You know, if he does, if he goes the rest of the year being doing this, then next year, you know, we can talk about it. He, we can sit down at the table. We'll have a discussion. But right now, no. Yeah, the, the the upcoming schedule intrigues me. I will say that much. Uh, maybe at least for streaming options. Maybe not yeah. every time out there. I can definitely get on board with that. If it's a lefty-heavy lineup, stay away. I'll tell you that much right now because that is his kryptonite. And even the rest of the season projections, they have him for nine games started, uh, 44 innings pitched, three wins, and a 4-3-4 ERA. So, and there's still less than a strikeout per inning. Yep. So he's like... He's he's okay. He's nothing great. Like he's not even a qual. He's basically a quality start guy. Is what they're giving him credit for. And like you said, if that works for you, sure. But uh, there's a couple lineups there that you wouldn't be shocked if they just pounded him as well. So yeah, I'm looking at the White Sox and the the Twins, even the Angels. They might have Trout by back by then, Hopefully. and then then they have Blue Jays twice. Yeah, they could get interesting towards the back end there. Uh, <laughs> Logan Gilbert. We've talked about how disappointing some of the bats have been. Gilbert started out being disappointed on the mound. He's figured it out. Really good stuff here. In the month of July, he had three wins over um, 11.62K per nine, ERA at 3.76 with an XFIP at 3.37, which is outstanding. He's really cut back on the walks, which was a big issue for him, and that slide piece has looked filthy of late. So what's your thoughts on Gilbert going forward? Because I'm a big fan of what we're seeing out there. Me too. I absolutely love Logan Gilbert, and he's actually one of the guys that if he's pitching, I'm going to try to watch it. Um, although he, overall he has struggled 
as of late, um, 10 earned runs in his last 13.1 innings. But overall for the season, he has the 4.04 ERA. He has a 3.83 X ERA. I just absolutely love that. Um, when you're looking at, you know, what he does on the mound, he has a 24.8% K percentage, which is good. It's in the 77th percentile, but most importantly, he's only walking 5.4% of batters, which is absolutely incredible. Um, from a rookie to be able to come in to, like you said, move your slider inside and out, you know, work the fastball, do everything that he can while keeping the, the ball on, you know, he throws it over the strike zone a lot, but not as much as you would expect. Um, and to keep the, um, you know, to keep the walk percentage down that much is absolutely great. Um, he's primarily throwing that four seam in the slider and I'm hoping, and this is something I'll just be looking just from you know a baseball perspective is if he is able to develop the curveball. Yeah. Um, batters are hitting 300 against this changeup, which to me says scrap it, you know, let's wait till next year. So I want to see what he'll be able to do. I'm hoping he can work his curveball in over these next uh, few months. Um, he's, he's a stud for me. Uh, there's only two things that I am aware of, or I'm a little you know, concerned about. Number one, hitting the rookie wall just in general, which I mean, he may have kind of already started that. And then the Mariners, they're a question mark. I don't know if they're trying to win right now, if they're going to limit his innings. I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, there hasn't been any talk about it. So um, just, yeah, have Gilbert in, until you don't, I guess. Yeah, he threw 72 innings so far this year. In 2019, he threw 112 innings. Don't know what he did at the alt site last year. So I'd imagine we might get him the rest of the way if they, they might just kind of baby him a few times. But I think we'll get most of his starts. Even if he throws they like nine more starts, like most of the guys have five innings of starts, 45 pitches. So you could see a, a reasonable estimation there for Gilbert, which would be fun to see I hope the rest so. of the way. He's just fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Because he's a young guy with great stuff that has confidence now. And I'm a big yep. fan of that. Because now he walks out there, not all jacked up on adrenaline, and he's actually pitching. <laughs> like, you could see at that first start he made. It was just he couldn't find a strike zone. He was all over the place. But now he's sitting out there going, yeah, this I, I, I can pitch. We're good. So fun to see there. Alex Cobb's another guy, similar to the Jamison Tyon ilk, that uh, there's many out- outings. There's like, ugh. But the yeah. month of July, he made four starts, two Ws, definitely less than a strikeout per inning. ERA of 109, XFIP of four. But every time I wanted to fade him, he kept putting up good outings. He got a little banged up with a sprained finger. Um, are you in on Cobb the rest of the way? Yeah, and just real briefly before I hop into that, you know, with the DFS, it gives you, you know, you're saying you're doing that show, you know, five days a week. I mean, yeah, you really are having to go into each pitcher every day and go through their stats. So I can kind of already hear that, like you've been doing that (laughs) because I haven't, I mean, Alex Cobb is like, you know, like, okay, I'll I'll look at him for a second. And I just quit. I'm like, no, I'm good on that. You know, but um, so he is one of those people that you really do have to study and actually sat down and outside of the fact that he has, you know, he's on a 10 day IL, he has the uh, blister issue. He has inflammation in his wrist, but they all expect that to be, you know, cleared up here um, by the time he's, he's ready to go. But um, actually looking at his peripheral numbers, a 3.83 XERA, 2.62 FIP, 3.18 XFIP. He has a career high strikeout rate of 25.7. So he's not your standard Alex Cobb right now. Um, I actually do like what he's doing. Uh, I wouldn't start him his first time back off the IL, but I'm definitely, you know, he's, he's back in, I wouldn't say my good graces, but to the point where I'm intrigued, you know, if he does have a good matchup, I, I think he's matchup based. 
Um, I, I don't know, you know, from the angels, they give you the opportunity for wins, I guess, to us, to a certain degree. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I I'm shocked from what I've seen when you actually go deeper into it, he looks even better. So for now I like Cobb. I'm with you. I grabbed him before his blister issue in a handful of 15 team leagues. And with all the moves going on, I still have him rostered. I'm not starting him obviously, but I'm like, with the mess that's out there in deep leagues, I want him for the last, you know, eight starts or whatever he's got in him. Like yep. I'm just, I'm in there because a, the angels need him. So they're not going to like, if anybody's going to get to go as many innings as he can, it'll be Alex Cobb in that yep. rotation. And uh, I'm just intrigued because if you look at the West, yeah, the Astros are the Astros. The A's are obviously better, but, and we mentioned the Mariners are getting better. So it's not as much of a cakewalk as it used to be, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's, there's days where you watch those teams, lots of strikeouts in that, in that, in that division. Yep. So in the Rangers, Dylan Bundy looked like a Cy Young guy on Thursday. So I, of course he did because I'm going head to head against them in, in oh, one of my leagues, and, and I looked that at is it. Depressing. Bundy, the, the guy I'm going against, he has 10.1 innings pitched in a 0.00 ERA, and I'm like, what the hell? So I look and Tariq Skubal, who did well today. What up? Okay, so yeah. shout out to him. But then Dylan, I was like, Dylan Bundy. I was like, whatever. Dude. That's why I had the heads funny. You're yes, like, it, it is because then he could use him <laughs> next week and you're not playing him and he goes and gets lit up for 10 and two innings. Yeah, you can just blow your ERA, you know, for the whole week in one day, but not not when he's going against you. He has a, you know, a stud performance, but yeah, never fails. Never fails. Let's talk about a guy that uh, blew up everyone's ERA to start the year and now he's looking like a stud again. That's Brad Keller, who at times last season and in previous seasons were like, OK, there's a, a decent streaming uh, SP or deeper league SP option yeah. on rosters. Sure. And this year, it's been ugly out the get-go. But he's figured things out. He's made some pitch mix changes, which is always the fun topic of the day when it comes to pitching. Mm-hmm. And over the month of July, 27 innings pitched, almost a K per nine, 226 ERA with a 396 XFIP, which is very reasonable as well. Looked much, much better in the month of July. And he kind of gives you a little bit of hope in a, a central division that's really not dominant outside of Chicago for the, for the rest of the month. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone got a really good idea of just how bad the AL central was last year when, oh, yeah. you know, Shane Bieber's the best pitcher of all time. And, um, <laughs> Jose Brios looked incredible and Luis Giolito looked amazing. And, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing that, oh, the, the AL central was just really, really bad. But outside of that, um, this is the first time in a couple weeks, maybe a month or so where I've actually called Brad Keller, Brad Keller. I, I you know, um, I'm not a genius here, but I would call him bad Keller. Because he sucks Fair. usually. He is really but bad. Yes. You make four consecutive quality starts, and you know, I start to raise my eyebrow, and I, I'm kind of like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he is back to being Brad. So, four quality starts, um, and then he faced the Blue Jays, and he gave up three runs in three innings. So he's pulled early due to pat, back. Let, let that one slide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the Blue Jays. There's nothing yep. you can. It's no one's fault. It's okay. Yep. Um. So Keller, there's no ceiling for Keller. You know, and, and he he's still he's got a five point six four ERA. The Royals are a, are a bad team. You know, the wins aren't going to really be there. He he again he's going to be someone if you need somebody that week for innings or you're hoping to get an extra win and you've given up on your ERA and your WHIP and you don't care anymore. He's fine to pick up. Yep, that's a great way to put it with him. It's like you're not going to lock him in week in and week out. Not a chance. But he definitely gives you some flexibilities on a lot of waiver wires. As the season goes on and September call-ups happen, you'll be surprised at what some of these lineups look like. And Brad Keller can carve through some of them. So mm-hmm. you'd be like, it's going to happen with some of these rosters. So you'll be surprised. He'll be on some uh, teams that finish very highly at the end of the season that they roster for like three weeks. 
So, which is why uh, you know there needs to be a, a public service announcement, quick PSA that you should have your fantasy season, especially if you're doing uh, like head-to-head um, playoffs. It should be done by end of August. Yeah, like don't do don't go into September because I'm Bryce Harper's not playing. Yeah. You know, it's just it blows no, my mind. Head to head, you can't have playoffs in September. That's just wrong. Roto, I, I Roto, I can live with. Yeah, uh, it's I, fine. I get the argument for the end of August too. I get it. I've heard it from great minds before. I get it. At least in Roto, you're still accumulating stats. So I, I can, I can see that head to head. It's a, that's ridiculous because the yeah. best teams at a big disadvantage. That well, I know a lot of people want to head over to football too, so that's why I don't yes. buy that in Roto. So no, yep. no guys, yep. Yep. nope. That's happening too. <laughs> with you there. Uh, last pitcher I want to bring up is Cal Quantrill. This is a guy that when he's with the Padres, I liked a lot of prospect pedigree. And uh, when he got traded to Cleveland, I was like, oh, sweet, he'll finally get his chance. Didn't really get it at first. Then when he started getting his chance, it was not pretty. Starting to figure things out, though. Strikeouts five or more in three of his last four starts. He's gone six innings in four of his last five. So he's gone five innings in five straight starts or six straight starts. Uh, one runner or less in four straight. Starting to look like a pretty good pitcher here. And he had a great month of July. So what's your thoughts on Quantrill? He's fine. Um, <laughs> I think if, if Kyle if or uh, Ryan Yarborough, if he is the poor version of Kyle Hendricks, then I think Quantrill is the poor version of Yarborough. <laughs> like at, at limiting, as far as limiting hard contact gotcha. and not gotcha. really offering too much strikeout uh, upside at all. Okay. So there's a couple things I do like about him and a couple things I don't. I do like that he's part of Cleveland. So just overall, I've, I've, Started to think that they know what they're doing as far as from you know for the most part they're developing their pitching. Um, I don't think they're one of the the um, you know one of the bad organizations are doing that. So I, I do I give him a little bit of a plus there. Um, he's limiting hard contact as I said, but there is just literally no strikeout upside. Um, both his K percentage and WHIP percentage are in the bottom tenth percentile, and his xERA is four point nine zero. So as of now, I'm good on it. No yeah. thanks. Well- We'll see what's going on because the, he's started to strike guys out his last few starts. I wonder if he did something different. I have not dug in deep enough to see if he made a legit concerted change or if, you know, it's just bad matchups or something. I don't know. So we'll mm-hmm. wait and see on that one, but it will be quite he, He'll have a good schedule moving oh, out. Yeah. He'll have the AL Central, a heavy AL Central uh, schedule moving here forward. So it should be, you know, better for him. We'll see. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that for sure. Uh, let's get into some listener questions here, and then we'll head on out. Uh, the second question from our good buddy David Mendelson at dmendy02. He says, if the Detroit Tigers were a sandwich, what sandwich would they be and why? And it's funny because I, I spent some time on the first question, and I completely forgot to even answer the second question. So I'm I'm kind of answering this on a, on a whim right now. Um, you know what? It's going to sound kind of kind of weird. You know what? I'm going to go with the BLT. Why? BLT. Because, um, first off, it's delicious. I love a BLT. Um, but, you know, it's not overwhelming. I think it's underrated. Um, I think that, you know, at the uh, at the center of it, it's absolutely delicious. <clears throat> um, you can go there, and it's and just like the sandwich, it's inexpensive. And, uh, you know, I... great. <laughs> and, <laughs> the points you're making for the Tigers, it's freaking perfect. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's what I would say there. Um, <laughs> but that's an amazing question. I, I, I hope I did it justice, David. Oh, but David always <laughs> has the best questions. Like I'm telling you, either when you're on his show or 
certain guests he'll bring the questions to my show i'm just like oh goodness gracious like it, it's always good stuff and um, his, um and i've said this before but his um just the intros you know that he does oh, with yeah. new guests you can tell they actually like you know they, they're touching in a sense where like yep. people you can see it in their eye they're like holy shit you went through my instagram from two years ago yeah. <laughs> like, i didn't know i had a wikipedia page what i don't have a wikipedia page how do you find yeah. that out <laughs> <laughs> they made one and then put you on it exactly but yeah no it's uh it's really thoughtful the way he does that um yeah, yeah it's funny uh, he's the man he's the man watching um i've told him many times even off shows and the guys that, that the original well, cause i don't know the football side of it but the baseball guys i've told them since day one because I, I was on one of his early shows i've been on a few times watching yep. their growth has been yep. quite impressive so mm-hmm. it's been fun. Yeah. And it uh, was an honor for me to hop on to the team, you know, and just continue to build what I like to do and um, do it in like a, a family sense, you know, triple yeah. play is good. Just, I mean, we're always in the chat, you know, in Slack talking to each other, bouncing ideas off each other, telling us, you know, saying that's a terrible trade idea. What are you doing? You know, all the fun stuff. Well, that's know, the funny thing be- about it because it made so much sense to me. It, it, one of the last times I was on is when I found out they were actually a family and I was yeah. like, well, I knew I knew him and his brother. I got that, but then Art's like a cousin, and like they've. Yep. I'm like, what? Well, it makes so much sense now. Yep. I get it. Like, no wonder you could talk about to each other like this. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> exactly. <to> dinner. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> All right, cool. uh, Ron at Toast five eight six asked, Giolito just got lit up again last night by the Royals. For one, they've lit him up a lot this year. Like they got his number. Yeah. Two, if a trade was proposed, who would you rather have for the rest of the season, Giolito or Barrios? Okay, so number one, I think that's a good question, and uh, it, it was actually a lot of fun to dive into. And at the beginning, just looking at it, you know, when you first see a trade, you'd be like, you have a gut feeling. Yeah. I didn't have one. I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of split on it. Um, Jose Brios is having, you know, his career best season. I mean, his best season ever. You know, um, so he's playing at his current ceiling. Um, but, and I watched his last outing, you know, his first outing in Toronto, and people hit the ball off him hard and he is now in a stadium and he is now in a division where if guys make consistent hard contact, it's it's not going to work out well. So on that sense alone, looking at his ballpark and the schedule, everything just got a lot harder for Jose Brios. He was already playing at his ceiling. So I think, I think on the back end, uh, his numbers aren't going to look as good. And so, Thinking of uh, Giolito, and maybe I'm an optimist, but you know, I think of Luke of uh, Giolito's ceiling, yeah. and it's so much higher um, than Barrios. I think um, his I'm stuff's not. better, the ceiling's higher, and to a certain extent, I think a lot of fantasy owners are, uh, you know, looking to. I mean, he had a 5.68 ERA, you know, in April, and since then he's chipped away at it. 2.41 ERA in May, 3.16 ERA in July. So. He had a he struggled a lot last night. Gave up four runs and eight hits to the Royals. But if I was a betting man moving forward, I would take Giolito. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm on the Geo side of it as well. I might be. I'm also a little pro Geo. I have a lot of shares in Geo. I'm very invested in Geo. Mm-hmm. But um, and I like Barrios. Don't get me wrong. But you mentioned a few things. He is pitching at his peak, and that division change can't be ignored. Uh, right. Even pitching in that ballpark can't be ignored. So those are going to be two big things. Geo is just the way he's trying to figure it out right now. He was definitely a sticky guy. Like they can say it all he wants, but there was yeah. something there. Maybe he wasn't hardcore, hardcore, but there was something like it's pretty simple. And he showed games where he's pitched very well without it, but and he's still trying to figure it out. Just like Garrett Cole's had some slip ups, but no one wants to yeah. go yelling at Garrett Cole. 
and Garrett Cole's still better than Gio. I'm not trying to compare the two, but these elite guys, the ceiling when they have it, like you said, is going to be great. It wasn't like one or two starts ago, Gio struck out double digits and looked great for seven or eight. He, he faced Kansas City the week before, went six innings, struck out, I think, eight in like 65 pitches, and they yanked him because they were killing him. So it's like sometimes you just have those nights. It's just the ball flies out of the ballpark and stuff happens. And I, I'd be, I'd rather have Geo going forward. Yeah, I mean, just looking at his, you know, uh, game log from July seventeenth against Houston, nine innings. Yeah, in Houston, you know, shut him in, down. Yeah, only gave up one run, eight Ks. So I don't see that. Like I don't, Brios can't, you know, Jose can't do that. No. You know, so yeah, I, don't, that, I, don't see I that say Giolito moving forward. With you there, uh, Z two at Z two Fantasy asks. Um, and first off. I saw Z2 is the um, the uh, graphic designer for Triple Play. Kobe. Now, now I know where they figure it all out. Like I, I always yep. like how who made these? They're amazing. Got it. Yeah, Toby does. Yeah, real quick on that. Toby Z does an amazing job, and he's one of those dudes. Like I'll hit him up like a Saturday at like you know eight a.m. Like who else? Like I'm doing fantasy content at that time. You know that that to me is fun. You know, and he's right. He's like, yeah, I'll make that graphic up for you. You know, or Tuesday night 10, 10 p.m. He's like, yeah, I'll make it for you right now. You know, just like it's. It's That's it's awesome. cool, man. It's I wish I had guy. those skills. It's one of those skills I wish I had. I, I have no idea how to make. I I usually have to DM so many guys. Hey, can you figure this out? Please? Yeah. <laughs> um. He asked, going into next season, who is the better keeper at shortstop, Trey Turner or Bo Bichette? For me, and this is for next year, it's Trey Turner. Overall, Trey Turner is my number. He's my number two player overall in all all my rankings. I love me some Trey Turner. I love him on the Dodgers. I love him with potentially second base and shortstop eligibility. Um, so that plays a huge part for me. Um, <clears throat> now, let's say if he's completely out of it, you got to go Bichette and you just got to ride that wave for the next five, six years or whatever you want to do. But, you know, for for me trying to win next year, Trey Turner, and it's not really even close. I mean, I know he's getting older, but his sprint speed is still in the 100 percentile, literally in the 100 percentile. Uh, he has better plate discipline um, than Bichette. He's on a little bit of a better team. Um, yeah, I, I would go with with Turner, and it's it's not really close for me. Um, but if it was an overall, who are we taking for the rest of eternity? You know, you have to go Bichette. Sorry, my my mic went out. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Testing, testing. I can't hear you though. Crap. I can barely hear you. But we only got a couple more questions. I would go Trey Turner as well. I'll say that much. Um, I've always had Trey Turner as number one, even above Tatis every year going to the drafts. People think I'm crazy for that. So be it. Um, but I'm a Trey Turner guy. I'm a huge Bichette fan. So I get you if you want to go long term, go Bichette. But for the future, I want Trey Turner as well. Uh, last question we have here from Benji at Easy Money Bim. Trying to win a Roto OBP league, Alex Doogie Verdugo, he put the poop emoji, <laughs> is he droppable? Free agent replacements would be Dom Smith, Luis Arias, Ian Happ, Jared Klinik. He needs steals and OBP. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> it, it's a bummer that it is an OBP league because Verdugo is obviously you know, great for average leagues, you know, a lot more so. Um, but even looking at who, you know, Dominic Smith would probably be the closest one I might look to just because of the, the potential power. But honestly, I would keep Verdugo because he gives you the best chance at getting five more steals for the rest of the year. He rarely strikes out. Um, he's in the 91st percentile of expecting batting average. 
So, you know, he has the tools to be your most consistent player for the rest of the year. If Abraham Toro is on your uh, waiver wire, I would also potentially look at him. He has second and third base eligibility, and he does offer a little bit of speed combo as well. But um, I would keep Verdugo. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm a Verdugo fan. He has been kind of disappointing, but he's still going to be hitting towards the top of that Red Sox lineup. So, like, it's going to be tough to give up on that. If he needs steals, I guess Ian Happ could be a guy for you. If Maybe. you want, it's tough though. I'd stick with Verdugo personally, but yep. um, it's been tough. I get it. The, or Kelnick can maybe figure it out. Area is going to run very much. Like those guys mentioned, are going to run a ton. If you got Harrison Bader, go get him. There's your, there's your guy. We talked about him <laughs> earlier. That's the guy you want to go get. There it is. But uh, all right, Marty, that's going to wrap us up. It's been a pleasure um, chatting it up with you. Um, everybody, make sure you check him out at Triple Play Fantasy, doing the Between the Scenes podcast, Motor City Bengals. All kinds of fun stuff. He's on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman. But Marty, thanks for joining me, man. I really, really appreciate it. Bubba, it's been a dream come true. Thank you for having me and hope to see you again. Now we'll do it again sometime for sure. I had a blast chatting with you. So we will do that. Make sure we go follow him on Twitter. As we said, at Marty underscore Tallman. This was Ben with Bubba episode 391. Catch you guys later.